Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Floor 9. Pretty exciting episode this week. We have some new faces in the house. Uh, we've got uh, Taylor from Twitch and Nathan, or Nate, can I call you Nate Dog? Yeah, either one. Perfect. And of course, uh, as always, Angel Mendoza is here, and I am your host, Scott Elcherson. So welcome, everybody. Thank you. Glad to be Thanks here. Thanks for having us. Hello. Yeah, very excited about this week's episode because we'll be talking about one of our favorite topics to talk about here in the lab, esports and gaming. And what better guest than the guys from Twitch, the experts in the space. Wait, so we're not here to talk about colorful pants? No, no. <laughs> I've been lied to already. That's, well, the, that's the after show. That's yeah. the after show. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm in the market. I got some nice Hawaiian tees. I just need some flair on the bottom half to go with. Excellent. So, We'll see how it all how it all breaks down. But before we get into the show, let me give you a quick background on the lab and what we do up here on Floor 9. So the IPG Media Lab is a specialized group dedicated to innovation, working across interpublic network. For over a decade, we've been evaluating new technology, identifying how it changes consumer behavior and media consumption, and providing our clients with actionable insights to help navigate the ever-evolving media landscape. So welcome to our podcast. Welcome to Floor 9. And with that, let's just get right into it. So... Are you guys up for the task of defining esports and gaming within 60 seconds? We are sure going to try. <laughs> and I'm looking at a clock right now. Are you? Okay, good. Because I have my timer all set up. So, you ready? Yep. Three, two, one. Go. All right. Twitch is a social video platform, especially around the live streaming of gaming content. So people who are broadcasting themselves uh, playing video games and it allows people to chat and interact and also support and with those broadcasters and the content they love and gaming ranges from anything from a walkthrough to a let's play to role playing and anything and everything in between around gaming content uh, different from Esports, which is Nate's forte. Which is the idea that competitive video games is a spectator sport and can be monetized and organized and, and broadcasted to a global audience. Something that you know goes anywhere from a five-person Call of Duty showdown to you know 45 million person League of Legends event at the Seoul Stadium in South Korea. That was boom. Fantastic. What's the time? 49.85. Wow. It's as if we've done this before. Yeah, Yeah, right? (laughs) Seasoned vets over here. (laughs) So I think just to start then from going into that, uh, latest and greatest news out of TwitchCon, you guys did a a lot of announcements there. So just would love to hear what you have to say about that, what's coming out, and then we can kind of break it down. And which one's your favorite? And which one's your favorite, yeah. Yeah. I I think just from a TwitchCon perspective, like just the, the event itself keeps kind of astounding us, right? hate that I wasn't there this year. Uh, it Me was, too. Yeah. I, I had to miss it. And I was, uh, I was heartbroken. marathon. It was, uh, it, so, you know, this year we, this is our third year. We've moved it from San Francisco to San Diego. Uh, this year was in Long Beach, the Long Beach Convention Center. You know, had over 60,000 people show up this year, which is just incredible. If you think of the growth of, we went from about 40,000 last year, 20,000 the first year. It's just such an amazing event that I think, you know, both from Taylor's perspective, from my perspective, we've been here at Twitch for, for quite a bit of time to see the enthusiasm, to see the excitement is just in real life, right? I mean, we all, and Twitch is a, is a, is a mainly a digital platform, but to see 60,000 plus people come out in real life to uh, connect, to network, to celebrate the joys of all things Twitch, I, for us is just an incredibly humbling experience. And next year just raises the bar even higher of, of how much we're going to do and, and what we can do for our broadcasters to just have a, a, even, you know, a more leveled up experience on, on the whole thing. 
Yeah, and even from the announcement side, I remember when we first met you guys like years ago, probably like what three years now? I think something, four, something like that. Yeah. It's, it's, I start. I've only I'm almost here three years. December first be my three years, so okay. I think it's okay. around there. But you guys would always be like, "What's new? What's new?" I'd be like. Stuff, stuff's in the works, stuff's in the works. And now uh, we ramped up our engineering department and we got a lot of heads uh, working on stuff. Um, it's been really cool to see a lot of progress in that, in that regard. And especially, I think the mo- thing I'm most excited for is extensions. So essentially, to try to explain it without a visual, it is a overlay that is interactive that can go on top of a stream that's happening. And each individual can actually um, dictate it and control and interact in their own manner. So it's not a collective experience. Mm-hmm. Each person can then vote on a poll or you know, there's heat maps where then you can click on something. It's it's Love literally it. the, it's it's going to be an app store essentially for Twitch, and we're kind of much like the community dictates what's popular on Twitch. We're opening up to third parties and asking them please develop new you know tools, whether it's you know match stats that people are going to be monitoring for different games, or just you know polls or different things along those lines. So it's really exciting. Yeah, that's really exciting from a brand perspective because and Taylor, you could vouch for this. We've been having conversations on like how can we make these advertising more interactive like we want to take it to the next level what can we do and now with extensions i feel like that opens a door to doing some of these creative um more um lean in and experiences exactly and i think you know twitch twitch's secret sauce is that engagement aspect of just not only how many you know hours of content you know these twitch viewers are consuming each month and comscore has us around like you know 500 600 minutes and second only behind netflix but I think, you know, that just means more time for your brand in front of that audience. And I think as marketers, we're all vying for people's attention and considering that the average attention span is less than a goldfish now <laughs> to yeah. get them for, you know, hours or even just, you know, 10 minutes of time versus, you know, snackable content. It's going to be really, you know, game changing for brands to tell a longer story and to interact with them more. Right. And I just, again, just to add on that the overall just experience of how people view they have the sense of like the one screen watching the game the second screen chatting it's already it's already interactive and this next layer of interactivity i think is always going to benefit the overall user experience i think it's going to open it up to to a more general audience as well because i think one of the things that you know we struggle with is just you know the the learning curve with a lot of with a lot of video games um, so one of the examples they gave at twitchcon was um, an overlay for hearthstone so if you're someone who's watching Hearthstone, which is a, a trading card game that's played digitally uh, on your mobile tablet device as well as your PC, understanding what the cards are is really difficult because the, it basically pops up on the screen for all of a second and a half and then goes into play. And you're like, wait, what, what just happened? How did that work? I don't understand. And so with this overlay, you can actually hover your mouse over the cards that the person has in their deck and it will actually give you a readout of what those cards are and what they do. Um, so from an approachability standpoint, from a learning curve standpoint, you're now giving people a lot more ability to feel comfortable with what they're watching. Uh, and we think that will not only lead to longer viewing sessions, but also just more people wanting to watch, uh, which ultimately with minutes watched is what we're trying to get done. That's right. amazing. I remember when we first went to the League of Legends event at MSG, I was like, this is so exciting, but I have no idea what's going on. I still have no idea what's going on. And the strategy behind it, but that's amazing because for me, if I'm watching Twitch and I'm watching League of Legends, which I do, still don't know what's going on, but if you're able to have that overlay that explains strategies of what just happened, that's amazing. One of the things that uh, that poker did really well was they added that percentage winning thing next to people's yes. cards, yeah. and that actually made the viewing experience dramatically easier because even if you don't understand the mechanics of poker, um, you saw the percentage and you were like, well, that guy's dumb. 
because he only has a 12% chance of winning. Yeah. But if you were just staring at that and it said, you know, Jack 10, you're like, that's pretty good. Why is it? Why is that such a dumb play? Um, but the percentages help give credibility and knowledge to the viewer in a way that allows them to feel more comfortable and confident what they're talking yeah. about. Um, and that's what the extensions thing are. So it allows for, you know, developers to say, hey, listen, I can help someone understand League of Legends better. And if we can do that, it means people will watch longer. It means new people will watch and ultimately will drive, you know, the success of our platform forward. I feel like this is probably down the road. You can actually have viewers dictate games, for example. So if you have a developer building a game live and like playing a game live, you can actually take input from the audience, not only from the chat, but through this overlay to dictate what's going to go, what's going to happen next. And speaking of heat maps, I think another thing that was announced in terms of the analytics that are going to be offered to then broadcasters. So speaking of uh, that you know, point where um, we have a feature called clips. So over a course, let's say of a six or eight hour broadcast, people then can, you know, take a snippet of that content, 30 to 60 seconds, then share it with a larger community on Twitter, you know, Reddit, Facebook, etc. And now we're giving tools the ability uh, to the broadcasters to go back to their videos and say okay at what point was the most popular what was clipped the most you know what saw the most engagement when i did my stream in that way mm. they could be more strategic of their content and then you know be smarter about that in the future yeah i think that was actually my favorite announcement from twitchcon is that payments to partners is up 71 percent year over year Damn, Scott, we got into the wrong business. <laughs> I know, right? Here we, here we are podcasting, and yeah. we should be live streaming. You should live stream the podcast, podcast right? right? I get to talk about games, but I mean, I always yelled at my mom. It's like, let me do my thing. Let me play games. Right. And it ended up working out, but I could have even been the next level. Well, I was, and I was just going to say, going off of all this, so I think when it comes to education, why should people be really interested in this gaming platform, what Twitch is, and I, you know, also... What else is there besides gaming on Twitch? Because you guys do have other options outside of gaming, which is starting to grow as well. Yeah, so I think for us, especially, and I think a reason why gaming as a whole sees so many just even playing, you know, three billion hours per week spent playing gaming and then just even the investment in the scene with, you know, you have Activision buying King for $6 billion and, you know, the records that are getting broken for in terms of the fastest franchises to a billion dollars which is gta 5 i think we consider gaming the first pillar of entertainment and it's something for at least twitch is the epicenter of where people can come and congregate and because we're a social platform connect around that shared passion it's right. also important to understand that you know if someone says i'm a lifelong gamer they can't be older than like 40 right whereas like i think all of us have parents who have been lifelong football fans or lifelong you know baseball fans right multi generational mm-hmm. lifelong baseball fans and you know, movies everything all that stuff has had a much longer runway in mainstream society than gaming has and if you think about that from a contextual standpoint you know this is really the you know kind of our generation is kind of the first real gaming generation um, i have a 3 year old daughter uh, you know, she will grow up in a world where gaming is second nature, and it's a very natural part of, of her evolution. She can decide to be a gamer. She can decide to play sports. She can decide to you know go into business. Uh, all of those things will be acceptable routes for her to go. I think that's why brands have to pay attention, right? Because this is this is growing. It's growing as a generational. Uh, method, which means the next generation and the next generation after that, the next generation after that are going to be more and more passionate about it and more and more it's going to be part of their daily lives. 
And so you'll start to see more people wearing Overwatch hoodies and League of Legends jerseys and, and Nintendo hats. Um, this will become a part of, of just mainstream society, be less taboo. Uh, and the brands that can get in front of that, the brands that can embrace it now, you know, if you look at the brands like Ford in the NFL, Gillette with Major League Baseball, those brands have gotten in front of it and they've reaped the rewards. And the Yankees, by the way, just as FYI. That's right. They've gotten in the scene. All so the more reason for me to uh, to root against Echo Fox. <laughs> and then also going on that with just larger, you know, overall cultural trends of why, you know, gaming and Twitch continue to see a ramp up is one cord cutting and a mass amount of our audience are uh, spending a lot of times playing games and watching games. So they're not watching as much TV. And I think, you know, I was actually talking to someone about this the other day, but I think there's also a uh, larger aspect of not only that kids are growing up with electronic devices, but now there's a lot of other issues circling around sports where it's head injuries and things like that. Mm -hmm. So and then a lot of parents are now saying, oh, maybe you should go to that Minecrafting boot camp in the summer versus, you know, going to football camp. I think those yeah. are other larger cultural other things that are happening right. too. Yeah. Especially for me is considering that I'm now married, I have a dog, there's a lot less, you know, a job, a career, things like that. There's a lot less time for me to then uh, pour into video games like I did back in college and, you know, when I was single and everything like that. And so now, you know, and also just even resources and the fact that for the longest time, I didn't have access to a high-powered gaming PC to play the games that I loved watching and seeing, you know, player on a battleground H1Z1. And so why would I sometimes, you know, if I had an hour, a sliver of time to myself, why would I then spend, you know, hours and hours trying to get myself good enough to be fun to compete where I can watch my favorite streamer and participate with 30,000 other peoples and, and root for him and, you know, share in that success. Keep in mind, too, that there was a point in time where someone would say, listen, you're going to take this club, you're going to hit this ball, and it's going to go in a little hole, and you're going to do it 18 times, and that's going to be a ton of fun. <laughs> or you're gonna take you're gonna you're gonna take this ball and you're gonna put it in a peach bucket, right. and and that's gonna be a lot of fun. But you can't touch anybody. That's gonna be, this is gonna be great. Like you know when you break down traditional stick and ball sports to their their original like originalities, they sound ridiculous. Um, when you look at how they've transformed and evolved and and, and improved over time um, to be the the massive forms of entertainment that they are, it just took time. And so I think, you know, when you look at this space, you look at this opportunity, brands who are looking for a next generation of customers, if they're looking for young millennials, mainly young affluent millennials, um, this is where a lot of them are spending a significant portion of their time. And I frankly don't care how ridiculous it sounds. The numbers don't lie. And I think as marketers, they've all, you know, agencies and, and IPG is especially great at this is looking at the numbers and saying, the average person is coming to this platform and spending 106 minutes a day. All right. I can monopolize their attention for a part of that and I can use that to sell them something. I think that's a pretty special place for me to be. And I think that's the big why is this is a place where young affluent people are going and it's where my brand needs to be. So on that, love it. And I guess it's safe to say that brands need to be looking into gaming, especially on the Twitch platform. But because the gaming audience is a lot different than normal audiences or different audiences, um, what are your recommendations from an advertiser perspective to approach this audience? Yeah, you want to take that one first? Yeah, I think that honestly, one of the things that um, I appreciate, but I think is, is overly sensitive to, is this idea that somehow um, these people are anti-advertising. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, ad block is a problem in the world today. 
Um, there's a whole bunch of, of digital struggles that we're going with. But the beauty of the Twitch platform is the fact that, you know, everything on the platform is free. And so if you like it, you actually have to support it, right? Between whether that's uh, subscriptions, whether that's donations, whether that's, um, you know, bits, uh, all of those things, you're supporting the broadcasters that you, you, you love and appreciate. Taylor and I both have broadcasters that we subscribe to. Taylor for a lot more months than I have, but, um, you know, we support those people directly. And so as a brand, when you support those broadcasters, putting in hashtag ad, is actually a badge of honor. It means that you understand the space, you understand that this is great content, mm-hmm. and you're helping that broadcaster get to a next level. There's no reason to hide that. There's no reason to to shy behind it. It's a great way to be there. And I think you know when you look at this space and you think to yourself as a brand, how can I be credible in the space? That's kind of the way that I've tried to talk with people because when you think about authenticity, you can decide to be authentic, right? But you really can't decide to be credible, right? Credibility is something that other people give you. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at this platform and you're looking to involve yourself in this platform, you have to think about what am I going to do in this platform that's going to give my brand credibility on the platform? If you go in with that mindset, every brand that's had that in their, in their kind of North Star has had some really great success in the platform. And that's where me, Taylor, that's our job. Our job is to help a brand build that credibility. That's why his title and you know my title are strategy and not sales, right? Because our job is to strategize with what the best route is for your brand Love that. to get that credibility. And I think, you know, that is that is the fundamental difference. But it is a place where you don't have to hide the fact that you're advertising. Yeah, and I think to go off that point, when you look at like I think the biggest you know, issue that we see is that brands just see the buzzwords of esports, see the buzzwords of gaming, and then just go, I want to own that. And then they just stop. Okay, mm-hmm. go. And it's like, okay, well, much like you can't just own all of sports, you know, every audience, like your NFL versus your NHL versus your MLB is all very different. Same thing with gaming in that certain tactics for one brand aren't going to work for another. So, you know, for example, within gaming, there are speed runs and we work with Jolly Ranchers. Love speed and runs. it's it's so fun to see the best in the world try and they literally and for people who don't know what speed runs are someone just plays one game, you know, it could be Super Mario 3 or Dark Souls, and they just try to find every way imaginable to beat that game even faster. And there's world records, and it's, you know, this amazing, cool thing that they use even for charity purposes. And others are going to be perfect just for, you know, integration with influencer streams. You'll have more of a conversation around it. And there's times where esports is awesome, and it works for your brand with the timing and the awareness and what, you know, especially if the game, um, you know, lines up to what the audience you're looking for or team sponsorship there's there's a lot of ways for brands to get involved and that's our role is to you know one listen to their objectives their goals their timing budgets and and fill everything up and even with their messaging and say okay here's our recommendation and maybe it is a 360 degree approach or it's starting off small and just doing an event Mm -hmm. or starting off small and just doing an influencer or just even media right and it can be daunting too i mean you guys are are a lot more experience with Twitch. So you are, you're on the platform, you watch the broadcasts, you know, going into a live environment can be a scary thing for a brand. But every brand that we've worked with who have run successful programs have, you know, had the highs way outweigh any lows, and they find the right way to put themselves in the conversation. And the best brands are the ones who do it so right that they actually stay in the conversation well after their campaigns are done. Bud Light is an example of that with their emote. Um, There are a couple of brands that have done emotes with the emotes have actually, the community has voted to keep them 
Oh, they get pissed when you take them away. Because we took them away. Because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> yeah. the campaign ended, we took it away. And the community came back and said, well, wait, wait, where did this emote go? I love this emote. I need to use this emote. And um, you know, those are, those are the success stories where brands get to go, wow, like we really connected with the audience and we really did something special um, that you know, I think is a little bit unique to the Twitch platform. I'd love to know more, one, from just an audience perspective, just knowing about just like the greater gaming culture and community and just, you know, what is that look like for brands? Like, I feel like sometimes there's like there's misconceptions of, you know, oh, they're a gamer and they come out and say, well, we think that you want this. However, I, I, I feel like that could be just, you know, not the right way to approach really how to activate in the space. And then two, again, any misconceptions about the space today when it comes to, you know, esports and gaming? I love the, the and I'll let you answer the question, Taylor, but I, I love the misconception of this, this idea of the fat recluse, you know, 17-year-old in their mom's basement. Um, and yet you're sitting here with two guys who are, are fairly successful. Um, Taylor's at least physically fit. Um, and, you know, <laughs> yeah. Angel's as well. Yeah, I was just referring to us over here. I know. Popping out of that shirt over there. Um, you know, I, and I think that, you know, like the definition of what a gamer is still has a little bit of a negative connotation to it. Um, but when you interact with the audience and being at TwitchCon was a perfect example of that. You saw people from all different walks, all different sizes and scales, um, and just, you know, it's that enthusiasm around it. Um, you know, one of my brand partners today works for a really, really big brand, put an Overwatch hat on his desk. And he says once or twice a day or a week, someone comes by his desk and they're like, you Overwatch, bro? <laughs> and he's like, I do. You want to play? But like neither one of them, you know, would necessarily connect on that yet. And I think that's what I talked about, a generational thing. Right. Um, but that, that's the biggest stereotype we fight every single day. Yeah. And we've done a lot of studies uh, and one in particular with Momentum Worldwide and, you know, looking into who, who the gamer is. And, you know, when it comes to comparing them to their non-gaming counterparts, they do consider them, gamers consider themselves to be leaders among their social group and network of friends. They are more educated. They have higher household incomes. And overall, they're actually, you know, more social and they, they list the priority as connecting with friends and family as, you know, higher than their non-gaming counterparts. And then uh, also very socially responsible. And I think that's something that's really cool about the Twitch community is that since 2011, uh, this community has raised over $75 million for various charities. And even tonight, uh, starting at midnight, uh, one of our coworkers, uh, Stevie mm -hmm. Franchise, who is a part mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, the Jolly Rancher stream, he's going to be doing a 24-hour gaming stream, all for Extra Life, which benefits the Children's Hospital of America, uh, Children's Network Hospitals. Yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, he raised, over the past two years, he himself has raised $3,000, so his goal this year is to raise another three. And that's just one person. And it, a lot of speedrun tournaments raise millions of dollars, and each year it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger on Twitch. And it really is part of that you know, culture on Twitch, which is really cool. Yeah, I mean, I there's a lot of them that I, I really enjoy, especially around esports. I think there's a, a great uh, understanding that, that inclusion is important across the board in esports. Um, having people have positive experience at esports events is, is essential. Uh, and it, it, the, the magic community is actually one that I, I find to be the most fascinating where, you know, you're playing a trading card game, like oh, a I, physical, I love that game. Physical I, trading I, I, card. I still have my decks. I grew up, you know, all the, uh, you know, thorn elementals yeah. and the, uh, the avatars from the, you know, 
like the I don't remember like back in high school or even middle school. Yeah, I love it. But go on. I same, just have to say. same game. Just yeah. they've they've continued yeah. to grow. Um, See, this is where I need an overlay to understand the game. Yeah, I've yeah. never played. So that's something we're working on. Um, try to figure that out because that's that would be a help because Magic is a very confusing game, uh, especially when you're playing with physical cards as opposed to digital cards yeah. that are easier to see. Um, but you know the the magic community. Um, you know every event that they do, every premiere event that they have, they average thirty five to forty thousand concurrence on Twitch. Just anytime, Thursday night, Saturday morning, whenever it is, it's just the community. Just it's this. It's a it's a it's a great group of people that connect. And I remember I was watching one week, and you know this, these guys were playing, and, and and something happened, and I was I typed in chat, and I was like, I don't understand what just happened, and I had five people direct message me saying, Hey man, this is what happened. Like, this is how the move played. This is what played out. And I was just like, wow. Like usually when you, when you ask a dumb question, if you get, you get, you get a bunch of trolls, right? You're like, Hey, you should go, you should go watch Hearthstone. You know, like that was, that was what I was expecting. But the community was so understanding of that. I thought that was a really, um, you know, good, a prime example of the reality that this community wants people to have those positive experiences on the platform. Um, and that, you know, the, the internet is created for trolls, but I think when you look at the Twitch community overall, the, the sum of the community is just so positive and so inclusive. Um, you know, they want people to have that positive experience, that shared viewing experience and, and, and keep doing it right. And invite their friends and bring more people on. Cause I think everyone is really vested, especially in esports' success. Mm-hmm. This is the only professional sports group where fans give money directly to prize pools. You know, like imagine right. if the NFL was like, hey guys, the Patriots won the Super Bowl, but we only paid them $5 million. Any chance you guys want to kick in for an extra $10 million for them? Like they would <laughs> to get. To pay for Tom Brady's, you know, yeah. amazing food and. They would get laughed at. And, yeah. Right? Like if the NBA was like, hey guys, uh, you know, we need an extra two million for the prize pool. Like the community would just would just would laugh. Um, but when you look at events like League of Legends, there's a there's a there's a crowdfunding aspect there. You look at Dota, there's a yeah. massive crowdfunding. That was what twenty seven million the pot last year. Yeah, I would, this, I, would say, I would say like list out some of these prize pools that have been won by these players. And yeah, so, raised by the audience. So like the international this year, I think had a twenty four twenty five million dollar prize pool of which oh of which Valve put two million dollars into it. Okay. Um, so yeah. the the Trump change. Yeah. So Valve basically put out this product. It's an in game item called the Compendium, mm-hmm. and you buy it and it unlocks some in-game stuff for you um and basically they you know they stated they would put 20 25 percent against the price pool so if you think about the size and scale of 20 million and think about that as a fraction of what they sold for that valve's doing all right and that's why gabe is uh is a pretty uh wealthy dude but this is a this is a really important aspect of esports is that the crowds are way more connected to their sport than ever before because they're literally funding it. Um, they're literally helping the success, whether it's the team, whether it's the you know the league, whether it's the game publisher. Uh, there is a much deeper level of engagement and connection there, which makes you know branded activations and stuff like that all the more valuable because you know when someone's that invested, and you as a brand come in, you say, "Listen, I'm as equally as invested." It changes the the conversation, and we see that. You know, we've seen that with uh, with Exxon Mobil, Angel, with some of the stuff we've done. We've seen you know tremendous brand not only awareness and preference scores, but massive brand loyalty scores, like 70 percent changes in a season, and that's because of that deep level of engagement. Of you are actually investing in something that I am deeply engaged in, and I really appreciate that, and that changes the conversation drastically. Right. And I was going to say kind of shifting gears more into esports and really trying to understand 
you know, what these events are like, because these aren't just your average, everybody's like in a gym hanging out. I mean, these are professional MSG packed, blown out events. So I'd love to hear just more about what these events are like and then kind of even roll into, I think one of the hottest topics in esports right now is just this Overwatch League and what kind of what's happening with that. Because there's, again, that is not a a cheap buy-in for for, for the Overwatch League. Yeah, also on top of that, most media buyers, including myself a couple years ago, didn't know like the actual environment live at some of these uh, stadiums. So for example, a few years ago, working for a client, I remember I asked you a question of, do uh, people actually drink beer at these events? <laughs> and I remember somebody from your team, I'm not gonna name names, but his quote was, do bear in the woods? <laughs> <laughs> I think I know who you're talking about. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that, that seeing is believing for a lot of folks. Um, you know, a lot of folks in the New York area got to go to the LCS event. Uh, this past year, 2016, at MSG, and that really turned a lot of people's heads. Um, I think that it's it is it is very powerful, but it's also a little bit over underrepresentative of the reality of where esports is. And I say that because you know only a couple of games can really sell out MSG. Um, MSG is very expensive to put on an event in, so you, you need to be able to, to make your money back on that. And most game publishers don't; they use it as a marketing expense. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look at, at esports, you you can really run the gamut, right? You have the Capcom Pro Tour, and they have events still in hotel ballrooms mm-hmm. um, in Morristown, New Jersey, and they also have a mega event at the Mandalay Bay Event Center, um, which has almost eighteen thousand people. So, you know, it does kind of run the ups and downs. Rocket League, obviously, is something we've worked on together. It's one of the hottest eSport titles out there. Um, And, you know, we're going to have an event at the MGM Resorts in National Harbor um, on the 10th to the 12th of November. And, you know, capacity there is 2,500. Um, so while it is impressive by our standards, because our last event had 1,600, um, you know, we eSports is something that, the, the big games tend to run us wild. And so it's like, you know, I have a brand come to me and they go, oh my gosh, you sold out MSG. All right, Rocket League, sell out MSG next year and I'm gonna, I'm gonna sponsor it. And I'm like, ah, we, we're, not gonna, we're not gonna do that. This time. We're, not, we're not quite there yet. Um, so I do think that there are some, some somewhat level settings when it comes to, to, to where esports is from a live event perspective, but certainly from a digital perspective, it absolutely crushes. Yeah, I mean, obviously I think, you know, Activision and Blizzard are probably best to answer the, the, the details. But when I look at at it, if I'm, and I'm, I'm going to be Robert Kraft for a second, uh, if I look at, you know, $20 million over a reported four years, it's probably like a mediocre power forward in the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. For an opportunity to potentially connect with a younger audience. I think every professional sports team that I've talked with and that talks in the, at panels and stuff like that says, we got to keep, we got to stay younger. We got to keep making sure that we're younger. We're got to connect with the next generation of audiences. And so brands aren't the only ones that are struggling with the next generation of customers. And so I think a lot of these uh, sports ownership groups are saying, well, like, you know, do we want another mediocre power forward or do we want to have a way for us to connect with 18 to 29 year old millennials? And the answer to that always to me is going to be, I want to connect with millennials. So whether or not the Overwatch League is the next greatest thing, whether it's just, you know, mediocre or whatever, um, I think for these sports entertainment groups, the reality is, is they want to be younger. They want to be where the audience is. They want to be connected with those folks. And I think Overwatch League will do that. They've had a lot of great announcements over the last uh, you know, week to 10 days around how they're going to improve viewership 
that's been their struggle the whole time is that Overwatch has been a difficult game to follow from a viewership perspective. Super fun to play, um, but watching has been very, very difficult. And I think that's always been one of the really straw, like struggling points of esports is just being able to be approachable. Right. One of the biggest innovations that the NFL ever had, which it didn't innovate, the XFL did, was that line. Right. The, the, the first down line. Right. Like, I mean, that's the simplest thing. And yet it helped people who don't understand football go, well, they got to get to that line. OK, <laughs> I get it. You know, like it's simple. Right. And so how can esports and how can Overwatch League in particular innovate on its viewing experience? Extensions will certainly be part of that. Their own internal development work will be part of that. When you look at this space, the only thing that's going to move this space forward is going to be franchising. There's going to be dedicated efforts to have a group of people who own stuff. Because otherwise, we joke about this all the time. It's the wild, wild west. Yeah, it's just, it's unstructured. It's the ground floor. It's right. like potentially investing in the NBA when it first started. I think, if yeah. I was the owner, that's a no-brainer. It's hedging my bets also yeah. in case NFL does decline. Yeah, and if you look at the, the value of an NFL organization or an NBA organization, you're talking in the billions, right? So what is $20 million to be on the ground floor of a really great league to stake your claim to a region, mm-hmm. right? Like some of these organizations, like we, we, you know, we, we represent Cloud9. They bought the, the London spot. They're the only team in Europe right now. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine right. being able to say, we own Europe. Like, yeah. that's a, <laughs> that, that, you know? well, here's also looking down the road. They're paying, owners are paying millions of dollars, potentially billion dollars for these new stadiums. It's not used all the time. Mm-hmm. So with esports, if they own an esport and it gets large, now you can use that same facility for two different sports. Yeah. And Monumental Mass- has come yeah. out and said that their, you know, their new Mystic Stadium that they're building down in DC, which will also host their G League team, uh, will also have a dedicated area for for esports. What what that means, I have no idea, but certainly all of these organizations are looking at this and going you know, listen, like we, we want, we have, this has to be a part of our strategy moving forward. This has to be how we connect with the next generation of customers and, and structure is a great way to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. I, you know, unfortunately, you know, being super inclusive when it comes to ownership makes it really difficult to move things forward. You need a group of people saying for right or for wrong, we're going to go this way. Right. And move that industry forward. But you're also seeing the NBA, right. With their 2k league, which is going to come out next spring. I think they said, you know, the, that's fantastic, right? Like that's another great way to connect to extend the NBA, and I think you're going to see you know, oh, that more, was more a, of these things. Yeah, I would say FIFA. They're coming out with their you know e e sports league as wow their esports league as well. Uh, just, it'll be interesting to see how the landscape for esports really develops because again, right now I think to your point, it is very fragmented, mm-hmm. and we are starting to see some you know franchise you know, happening to make it a little more structured. But again, I mean, any game can pretty much just start their own league or something like that. Yeah. Or, you know, so it'll be interesting to see how it all like really plays out because it is very, very, very fragmented. And at the end of the day, the publisher has the control. Um, I think it's important to, to, to come to terms with that. Like Twitch obviously has had some great successes with Rocket League and stuff like that. We work together with those game publishers, with Blizzard, with all these, with Riot to, to broadcast these events. Um, but Riot's the one that does this stuff. And so that leads to some of the more difficult conversations around unions and around you know, labor issues and patches and you know, integrity coalitions and stuff like that, which is going you know, to be a different conversation, right? Despite my best efforts, I still have not been able to get secure the IP rights for golf. So if anyone, if anyone, anyone you know, I, I've, I've been trying really hard. It's like, if you ever even talk about golf, I get paid. Apparently that's not allowed. 
Hmm. However, when you talk about League of Legends or you talk about Overwatch, you better believe that Activision or Blizzard or Riot are going to get a, they're going to make money off that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have full control of that IP right. And that is a very different conversation than football, right? Than golf. Because you can, like, I could go, if I had the capital, I could go start a, another golf league today. Nothing the PGA Tour could do about it. Um, I mean, they could certainly blacklist us and tell their players not to play in our league, but they can't do anything, right? Like, say, that's why the whole reason why the XFL happened. However, you know, no one can create a competing Overwatch league because Blizzard owns the rights to Overwatch. So you're not going to you're not going to see those same kind of discussions, which I think will lead to a little bit different look and feel when it comes to esports and how they grow, because there's going to be a lot of pressure on the game publisher to do a lot of the things that independent third parties Mm -hmm. do, because the reality is a players association or an independent arbiter, if they say, well, you know, listen, Blizzard, unfortunately, your new diva buff has really created unfair play for a lot of the players in the Overwatch League. Therefore, you can't come out with that patch. I don't think Blizzard's going to you know, be okay with that, right? Because yeah. that's their business. <laughs> that's their business. So they're going to work together and they're going to grow that stuff. But you, you know, you're not going to see, uh, you're going to see a little bit of a different look and feel where you're going to have a kind of a triangle where you've got player org and then publisher mm-hmm. as opposed to just player and league and then it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see how it all develops it does put a lot of pressure though on on the game publishers themselves yeah right and i would say so right now what's your favorite uh game to watch currently uh, it's tough because I'm, I'm usually pretty biased about that the rocket league is just it's just so much fun from a competitive perspective it's it the, the the numbers have grown i mean we've worked with angel and the ipg team for two years now and seen the the, the concurrence go from seventeen thousand to uh, i think we had two hundred and six thousand concurrence um for the last season three championships um the uniques have gone up 10x um it's just an approachable game right nbc is right. doing some stuff with it we saw some stuff with the x Games, some promo stuff there uh, we've created a minor league system for rocket league now um oh. yeah that's been really i want to get in on that really yeah, minor league. Yeah. i was like yeah. is that available for us to play yeah, you gotta or, come by the twitch office that's where that's where it starts oh we that's are where it starts oh, yeah. okay. we are. Awesome. Awesome. what about you taylor favorite game to watch currently Currently, players unknown battlegrounds. Oh, a little yeah. PUBG a little action. PUBG, because every time it's it's really like a a fresh slate of a new story. Anytime, like someone drops in, so to give the quick recap of what it is, essentially it's a battle royale. So if you think Hunger Games in video game for, uh, format, where everybody starts in a plane, they start with nothing, they drop out of the sky, and then you know, based on the game mechanics and what's called RNG, random number generated, you loot. People loot up, and then they start about going after and killing each other, and slowly but. Uh, Surely, uh, gas comes in and starts to make the circle smaller and smaller and smaller. So no one can just hide in the one massive corner of the map. They, everybody has to eventually uh, go into their own fate. It's like the Hunger Games. Yeah, exactly. I literally yeah. Love it. It. I love it. So it's insanely fun to watch, especially with a couple broadcasters, because again, they're not professional esports players. They're very good at the game, but they just make it wildly entertaining. Right. I think that brings up another point too, just around esports and just you talked a little bit about you know sports games. Um, you know, sports games right now tend to have, you know, their biggest competition is is real sports, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, when LeBron, you know, drains a three-pointer off his back foot, off the backboard, right? It's like, holy cow, that was amazing. When I do that 17 times in a game in NBA 2K, it's less awe-inspiring. Um, and so they've seen a lot of really great engagement, but not a lot of great viewership. Um, whereas, you know, PUBG, 
there's no real life, to my knowledge, no real life Hunger Games <laughs> happening. Um, but you know, you know, same with League of Legends, right? Same with you know, like no one's casting fireballs out of their out of their hands. Oh, like, if you know, only I know, right? I mean, no one's turning into you know, no one's no one's stuffed teddy bear is turning into a big monster, right? Like there is a an amount of fantasy that I think plays into the most successful esports right now that traditional sports aren't able to to compete with yet. Mm-hmm. But if you look at an NBA 2K League, they are doing some really cool stuff, and I think that they're going to be the first league to really push forward with you creating your own athlete so you're not playing as lebron james you're playing as you and you control how your character is created now you're not going to be 99 at everything they're going to limit you but you get to control like you want to play a center you want to play a point guard you can do that it doesn't matter if you're in real life you're four feet tall you want to play a center you can play center if you think you're good enough to play low post and you understand how to do that you can play low post and you can create your persona as that and i mean and an inclusion perspective like it's just like that's awesome like mm. you can have you know guys and girls playing together without any sort of issue you don't have to have the divisive the divisive nature of traditional sports because there isn't really a difference anymore yeah. and i think that that's something that when you look at what attracts people to esports it's that idea of it's no longer well, I'm not Jack like Taylor. It's going to be really hard for me to play a sport. It's, well, you know what? I'm watching this eSport game. I could be that person if I, de- if I dedicate myself. If I put that 10,000 hours in of practice time at one game, yeah, I, I could be that person. Maybe I don't have that time, but I could. Right. And it's a lot more diff- it's a lot different than in, in the world of traditional sports where if you're not 6'5", <laughs> you're not playing in the NBA. Yeah, sorry. But to kind of, kind of round out the podcast and where we're going here, so a few questions. The top games that are played right now and viewed, what are those games and you know, which ones should brands be aware of the most? Nathan said, you know, really experience what, what this is all about. Yeah. yeah. And I would focus on the longer term games, not the games that have a high viewership oh, yeah. and then dip down. And that's where, you know, I was just about to mention that, you know, like a, a franchise that's been around for a very long time, Call of Duty, launched today with Call of Duty World War II. So that's mm. obviously spiking in terms of viewership on Twitch. And that happens. The ebbs and flows, you know, Assassin's Creed comes out, Wolfenstein comes out, all these different games come out, it's ebbs and flows. So I'd say primarily in the top 10, I'd say this past year, you have, you know, League of Legends, Counter Strike, uh, Player Unknown Battleground. You have Hearthstone, uh, World of Warcraft, um, you know, FIFA is in there as well in the mix. And uh, I'm trying to think of any others that come to mind for you, Nate. Yeah, from an esports perspective, you know, Rocket League and Magic tend, mm-hmm. to, tend to spike up when their esports events are happening. Mm-hmm. You know, same with, with Capcom Pro Tour and Street Fighter. Um, you know, Tekken now is, is growing pretty, pretty rapidly. Uh, and Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers oh, yeah. is another great yep. game. If you, if, you, if you had a Nintendo GameCube, you probably played the first one of Smash Smash uh, Melee, uh, which is still played, still competed in. Um, so my wife has a, a mint condition GameCube oh, um, wow. that is going to be worth some serious money soon, I think. Um, but you know they, they now have Smash Four on the Wii U. Um, you know, that's another game that does really, really well from a uh, from an esports viewing perspective. Dota as well, Defense of the Ancients yeah, Two, is another big game uh, in the space. Hearthstone, and I think you said Heroes of the Storm is another one, does pretty well right now. And then, you know, looking forward, I mean, uh, you know, the expectations are Overwatch, H1Z1 is another game that, that's kind of launched its own pro league now and are going to be doing, you know, some stuff there. You know, those are the big, the, kind of the big titles. I would also caveat or encourage, I guess, maybe make a plea with brands that, you know, when it comes to games, it's very easy to take the lowest common denominator and say, I don't want any red blood games. I don't want any violent games. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and one of the things from our research study we did with Momentum was that we found out that almost 60% of gamers don't necessarily recognize the violence in the game that they're playing. So if you're playing Street Fighter, you have a health bar, but when your health bar runs out, you're not dead, you're just defeated. Yeah. Like you come right back to life. Same with League of Legends, same with a lot of these other games that are rated T for teen, which I would equate to a PG rating. So as a brand, ask those questions, but be open to what might work best for your brand. Because you may find that, yes, this game is rated T for teen because there is fantasy violence. But, you know, I, I watched that Gordon Hayward injury enough times oh. to, to know that, yeah. like, oh. I mean, listen, we, 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 as a Celtics fan, I'm depressed. But, you know, in real life, there's there's those things that happen as well. So keep an open mind when it comes to these games. I know some of them are going to feel a little bit a level that you're not comfortable with. But you may find that actually that's the best possible game title for you. And that, that, that that's from esports. It's also from, you know, Taylor's uh, team's perspective as well when it comes to influencer broadcasts. Like some of the best games and some of the most engaging games may be games that are you know maybe at the at the edge of your comfort zone yeah and when you look at some brands that can contradict themselves let's just put it nicely it's sometimes where they say oh i will never be a part of this mature game it's like yeah well unfortunately xyz brand i saw your logo on the ufc mat and blood was splattered on it when someone got punched in the face so you're telling me that fake violence is you know greater than real violence so that's and then you know there's other things along those lines too which we won't get into but you know if that's where the eyeballs are and you want to future proof your business you're going to have to get comfortable with that yeah my last question here what twitch offering do you wish or do you want a brand to take advantage of because you have more and more coming out so you have bits you have blue and so on and so forth what's that one that you want a brand to take advantage of I mean, I, I the, my team in particular and sponsorships is is kind of we're growing in a lot of different directions. So obviously, we have our esport leagues, we have our esports teams, we have our event sponsorships like TwitchCon and, and E3 and stuff like that. The really exciting place is original content. So we're launching Ooh, lots of new shows, one. lots Ooh. of new content. Um, we have a couple shows already. One is called um, Fanboys, which is just a show on um, just culture, like nerd culture so comic books video games movies it's just 90 minutes of just talking about stuff uh, that's doing really well we also have uh, fresh stock which is a sneaker uh head show oh, uh, a couple of guys we at twitch lot, we, we talk a lot about sneakers and collabs yeah. and here and then and we think that's a very fascinating so fresh fascinating stock, yeah don twitch it's just twitch.tv slash twitch 11 o'clock on thursdays pst and way past my bedtime no 11 a.m 11 a.m 11 a.m 2 p.m eastern and uh and it's just two guys at twitch who came to the con head of content and said we love sneakers i'm going to talk about sneakers and they have special guests on the show we've done some collaborations with converse under armor had an event recently we worked with with them on uh, on the steph curry launch of the show love it yeah so for me i think it's um cheer motes uh so we have emotes which are static and they represent we've done with brands and they are the faces of various twitch employees or you know other streamers and other just you know images as a whole and uh, there's a product that's called cheering and with that um, you actually it's a ability to um, send a virtual good to a broadcaster and you purchase bits through your amazon account so 100 bits equals roughly let's say a dollar and so it's a way to then support the broadcaster and the stream and the content he's creating so one thing that we love to do is you know and the ideal version in my head is you know let's say for halloween if a candy brand wink wink came in and uh, it was a Halloween themed limited edition, you know, cheer moats that um, were then unlocked for, you know, just or October 1st to Halloween night. 
and any, you know, the brand XYZ would give out, you know, let's say a million bits to the Twitch community. And then, you know, that form of altruism of giving values, because then it's that life cycle of the brand gives it to the users, the users then give it and they have the power to then give it to the broadcasters that they love. So then it's a way for a brand to then support that, you know, it just increased the life cycle support for the community. Also a good one. Uh, with that, if you're looking for more great content, please check out our website, ipglab.com. You can hit up our social channels, uh, Twitter and Instagram. We're just at ipglab. Of course, we also have our Medium blog. And if you like, share with your friends. Let us know your things, you know, our thoughts, feedback, whatever. We love it. So it's been real. Have a good weekend. Thanks for having us. Yeah, guys. Do you guys want to plug anything before we head out? Uh, watch Dr. Disrespect on Twitch. He's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm part of the Slick Daddy Club. Yeah. Uh, I'm a moderator for that. You know, I got to push the channel right there. I love it. Yeah. At the real Nate on Twitter. Follow me. Talk to me. <laughs> Let's have a conversation about loud, obnoxious pants. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, there we go. That's perfect. <laughs> awesome. Boom.